theme over the last several weeks. We've learned about prayer and about studying scripture and about gathering together in small groups as ways to grow in God's grace. Because here at Conyers First, my hope, my prayer for you is that you won't just survive in life, but that you'll find ways to thrive. That you will find ways not just to be a kind of good person, but that you'll be a fully surrendered, faithful follower of Jesus who wants to grow to have a heart like Christ and invest your life for God's glory in whatever he calls you to be and do. And so we don't want to miss out on any good thing that grace might do in and through us. And so today, we're going to be looking at a, at a vehicle of grace uh, that, that in the American church today, we don't talk about a whole lot, we don't practice it a whole lot, uh, but it's something that perhaps we as a church, as a community, as followers of Jesus need now as much or more than ever. And that is the tool and grace of fasting. And so we turn to Luke's fifth chapter where Jesus is in a conversation with someone over fasting and why he wasn't and his disciples weren't fasting at that moment. And we're going to be looking at this together. This is how the story goes in Luke chapter 5, 33. Then they said to him, Now John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours, they go on eating and drinking. So Jesus answered, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and in those days, they will fast. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Can you pray with me and for me? Lord Jesus, as we gather together, help us listen for your voice. Help us reflect on our lives of faith and how we might incorporate occasions of fasting and prayer together to get closer to you. So, Lord Jesus, help me lift you up and be in our conversation a blessing. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, as I said, fasting isn't an, often a topic of sermons, that, but every once in a while, there comes a time and a season where I'll talk about fasting, and so we want to look at it today just for a little bit. And in the ancient world, fasting was used not just in the Jewish community and culture, but probably a lot of different religious cultures and backgrounds in the ancient world. And so here we get a glimpse, though, of how it was practiced in the Jewish heritage as well as what Jesus was doing in his day. And so, for instance, in this situation... It was noticed how John the Baptist's disciples were fasting and using seasons of fasting and how the Pharisees were fasting and using seasons of fasting, but how Jesus at that time was not fasting with his disciples. Instead, they were having fun. They were celebrating together and they were enjoying that feast time together. And so one of the principles and points that Jesus seems to make here is there is a time in our lives for feasting and there is a time for fasting. Now, in particular, what is fasting? Fasting, in the biblical sense, tends to be about taking a break from eating food in order to seek 
to have a closer relationship with the one who made us. And so that kind of taking that break, it can be uh, only drinking water for a period of time. There can also be partial fasting. If you look in the book of Daniel, Daniel had a partial fast in the last 15, 20 years. There's been this popular thing to do in churches called the Daniel fast, which is a partial fasting principally from kind of meat and maybe cheese and some, some of the more fatty stuff and instead focusing more on uh, proteins not connected to meat and, and vegetables and nutrition and that sort of thing like Daniel did in his day. But whether it's a partial fast or a complete fast, it tends to be in, with our relationship with food. Uh, secondly, though, is in our day and age, I think there are other areas where the practice of fasting can be helpful for us and our faith as well. Right? I know sometimes we get too ingrained into what's going on, for instance, on Facebook or what's going on on the internet or what's going on in our world. And for, for some of us, fasting from social media may be a good thing and turning that time into time of prayer or fasting from the internet or fasting from TV uh, for an evening or a week. Those things can also be appropriate ways to draw closer to God by giving up certain things for a certain period of time. So what about fasting? What do we learn from Scripture about how they fasted back then? And then secondly, we're going to look at what does that mean for us as followers of Jesus today? How can we apply this to our lives and in what situations would that look like for us? Well, first of all, as I said, I want you to notice Jesus makes a difference between seasons of feasting and fasting. And so, for instance, in the church, in general, we tend to not encourage fasting on most Sundays because Sunday is a day of worship and celebration of the resurrection of Christ. In particular, Easter Sunday or maybe Christmas Sunday or Epiphany Sunday or Pentecost Sunday, those are all particular days of worship where fasting wouldn't be something that as a church we would do. But as Jesus points out here in his day, because he was present for only three years with his disciples, his attitude in that season was, this is a time for feasting, for celebrating, because I am with my boys. I'm with the ladies too. And as in this season, it's like we're having a wedding preparation party. And so it's not the right time for fasting. But he says there will come a time when feasting isn't going on because I have got to leave and go back to heaven. And in that season, when I leave, then in that season, my disciples will fast. Not might fast, not could fast, but will fast. And if that isn't evidence enough that we're to be practicing this as a, as a way of growing in grace, uh, I can turn your attention to... Uh, Matthew 6 chapter and there in that 6 chapter Jesus talks about three areas of faith living one is prayer he says this is how you pray and this is what it should look like he goes on and says this is how you help the poor and and give generously to lift them up and encourage them and this is what that should look like and then the third thing he mentions is 
fasting, right? And he doesn't say again, if you fast, he says, when you fast. So he expects us to at some point in our lives use this tool of fasting to grow in grace and truth. So uh, as he does that, what, why do we fast? Why do we fast? A couple of reasons. I think one of the reasons he indirectly points out here is fasting can be a very helpful tool in your life in times of crisis. In times that are hard, maybe you're going through something, you don't know quite what the future holds. Maybe a loved one is in the hospital. Uh, maybe there's something going on in your child's life and you don't know how to help. That can be an opportunity to consider using fasting in that moment. Because the other thing we see in the New Testament is fasting is almost always coupled with the practice of, of prayer as well. Do you notice that here in the verse? It says they're dis the, the disciples of John and the Pharisees were practicing prayer and fasting. And that's not just here, throughout the New Testament. Those two things are connected together. And it's almost like saying to us, if you want to go to a deeper level in your life of prayer and in this moment of prayer, maybe especially in a crisis situation, then it can be a good thing to add fasting to your prayer. I want you to think again about the ministry of Jesus. Uh, there was a time where his disciples were away from him and they were trying to free a young boy from an unclean spirit that had possessed him and dominated his life and was causing him trouble. And the disciples prayed for him and tried to cast it out, but the unclean spirit would not leave until Jesus came. And when Jesus came, you know what he kind of said, he's like, man, I'm not gonna be here forever, guys. You got to figure this out on your own, right? I mean, that's my paraphrase anyway. And then he, he steps in and he says, okay. And he casts out the evil spirit. The boy is delivered. The boy is set free. The boy is healed and all this good thing. And then the disciples later, they come to Jesus and say, we don't get it, Lord. Why could you do it? But we couldn't. And in most translations, it says, well, this kind of thing, when it's tough, can only be affected by prayer and fasting. So these two things are coupled together. It's like fasting is a deeper dimension of our prayer life. And so it's a way to go deeper with the Lord. Not only that, but fasting can produce uh, all sorts of benefits. Perhaps the first benefit is it gives us a season to go deeper in our relationship with the Lord. I want you to think of Moses on the mountaintop for 40 days and 40 nights. He didn't need any food. He didn't even need any water because he was there in the presence of the living God and the living God was his sustenance. And so the picture of fasting is a picture of seeking life in the presence of the living God. Not only that, but Moses also in that encounter uh, has some things revealed to him that the people needed, right? In that season, the Ten Commandments was revealed to him to offer to Israel to guide them, not just as a family anymore, but to guide them as a nation. 
How could they treat one another fairly and live for God's glory? And so fasting also maybe can lead us to places where our eyes are more open and our ears are more attentive to God's voice so that we hear what we need to hear in that particular moment or that particular place, either for us or for our family or for our church or for our community. Then not only that, but we see a kind of a different side from Jesus. Because remember, Jesus practiced fasting as well. And he also did an extended 40-day fast before he ever entered into his three-year ministry. Now, what was accomplished in that season of 40 days was that Christ found clarity in terms of what his mission was and how he was to go about accomplishing that mission and that purpose. And so that season of fasting for him was about helping him know which steps to take into God's calling and God's future. So we see all these components going on. We also see, as I said, the component of, of praying more deeply in times of crisis. I think of King David who fasted while his new infant son was sick, hoping that the Lord would heal his son. All these areas are ways that we can fast and worship and pray, and they fit closely together. But the theme of our fasting, the focus of our fasting, should always be on our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Uh, I was kind of looking through Richard Foster's book. Richard Foster is not Methodist, but he has a great... <clears throat> a great book, Celebration of Discipline on Growing in Tools of Grace. And in this book, he shares some insight from the Methodist founder, John Wesley, who would preach sermons on fasting. And so this is one of the things Wesley shared about our focus. He says this, uh, and this is part of, uh, part of uh, Richard Foster's words and part of Wesley's words. Richard Foster says, If our fasting is not unto God, then we have failed. The physical benefits, the success in prayer, the enduring with power, spiritual insights, these must never replace God as the center of our fasting. For John Wesley declares, First, let fasting be done unto the Lord with our eyes singly fixed on Him. Let our intention therein be His and this alone to glorify our Father which is in heaven. This is the only way that we will be saved from loving the blessing of fasting more than the blesser. And so that's one of the clear things uh, to understand is we fast because we want to get closer to Jesus. He is our focus. And so with this, there's a couple of temptations that we have with fasting that, that we want to clarify about. The, the first of all, fasting is not principally for you and I to lose weight, right? It's not dieting. In fact, fasting can be a healthy component in being a healthy human being, but it's not about losing weight. It's about seeking Jesus. Some other components with this is, is as well... Um, Gosh, it slipped my mind. I'll probably pick that statement up later. But, but fasting, one, is not about losing weight. Um, 
But secondly, uh, fasting leads us and guides us to draw close to God in prayer. So last of all, how do we practice fasting in our lives in a healthy way? How do we practice fasting in our lives in a healthy way? Uh, one of the components with this that's important is your health. If you have any major health issues that fasting could disrupt, uh, please talk to your doctor first, all right? Uh, for instance, our girls have type 1 diabetes, and as a type 1 diabetic, they don't need to be fasting. I mean, they might could go a meal, but they probably can't go, they definitely can't go a long, long time. And that's just because they're type 1 diabetics. So, so please put your health first. But if you're a healthy person and maybe just take vitamins or something, then fasting can be a, a healthy component. Now with fasting, there are kind of two, two different styles, I would say. One is maybe the, the crisis fasting or the, the deep fasting. And, and those tend to be longer time periods of fasting, maybe for more than a, a day, okay? I don't have a whole lot of time to talk about sort of the long fasting, but I do remember when I was in college, Dr. Bill Bright was the leader of Campus Crusade for Christ. And he did, I think not just one, but I think he did several 40-day fasts to seek the heart of the Lord for for sort of the whole Campus Crusade for Christ ministry and where they were headed and how they could impact the nation and world for God's glory. And he would do that, you know, probably for 40 days just living on maybe uh, some water with a little juice or some water maybe with uh, vegetable broth. And that was his nutrition for those periods. Now, to tackle something like that, you need to talk with your doctor. You would need to be observed you know, kind of kept in touch with how it's going. You probably need to talk with me or somebody even better than me that understands fasting even more than I do. So that's not really what, I, what we want to major in. But for many of us, we could incorporate into our lives a regular uh, just one or two meal fast. Uh, John Wesley, for instance, it, this was a part of his life all his days. He would tend to practice fasting both on Wednesday and Friday, which were the usual days when you would fast. Uh, Friday because it is connected with Jesus' death, right? Good Friday. And also Wednesday has some other kind of connections where it was used typically in the church for fasting. And so in this case, what you might try to do is you might try just one meal, and instead of that preparation time for that meal, instead of eating that meal, take that time to spend in prayer, seeking God and seeking his best for your life and listening for what he has to tell you. Now, when Wesley practiced it and the early church practiced it, uh, kind of the regular fasting periods tended to be, again, Wednesday and Friday, and you would go Wednesday evening, once the sun went down, kind of after supper. You wouldn't eat anything, say, for instance, Thursday evening. And then Friday, you would miss breakfast, you would miss lunch, and spend that as a time of focused in prayer. And then about 3 o'clock is when Wesley would break his fast. So, so it would go from evening one day to about 3 p.m. the next day. And yeah, I have to say this is challenging for me because I mean, I would, I've probably fasted once or twice a year for years, but it's, it's kind of a rare thing. And so Wesley, for instance, in order to ordain someone to his 
mission and ministry in the Methodist movement, uh, his folks that he would ordain would be required to acknowledge, yes, we will be willing to fast on Wednesdays and Fridays. Now, that's something that I, I haven't done. That's something that I'd say probably most Methodist pastors today don't do. But it is challenging for us to take those steps out in faith and begin to move into a deeper place with finding seasons of fasting. And so I want to encourage you to consider this component in your spiritual life, in your spiritual practice. Could you incorporate maybe just a Thursday evening and Friday morning time of fasting where you could seek the Lord and his best together? Because I believe that we are in a season in our nation, a season in our history, um, where we do need to find ways to connect with God and go deeper. And now I remember the point that I forgot earlier, right? Because what I want you to understand is we don't fast to manipulate God to do what we want him to do, all right? We don't fast to manipulate God to get him to do what we want him to do. That's not what it's all about. Instead, fasting is about trying to seek God at a deeper level, listen for him more clearly, be open to him much, much broader heartedly, in a way that he can bless us with whatever he thinks we need in that moment that he might not be able to get our attention if we're just running our normal everyday life like we always do it. Does that sort of make sense? We're seeking his grace and his blessing, not to manipulate him to do something in particular. And so I think for us in America, why the church could use and could be benefited by recovering fasting for two reasons. One is, as we look at our effectiveness in reaching the least and last and lost in our world, we're just not doing as good as we used to, right? I know a lot of you wish that we could see renewal and revival and, and a deepening of faith and a deepening of love for one another here in our country. But what if the Lord is waiting for us to seek him at a deeper level. And that's maybe one of the reasons why that we have not seen as much of a renewal as we would like. And then the second thing, I think fasting could be a key component to our health as followers of Jesus is because we are such a stuff-driven nation, right? We've got so much food, you know, you can... I can eat sweets anytime I want, any time of day, anywhere I look. We can see food all around us. We can see stuff all around us. I mean, just think, we have so much stuff that we have to pay someone to put it in a trailer for us and to keep it cooled with air conditioning so it isn't, you know, isn't destroyed. I mean, it's kind of crazy how materialistic focused we are as a people and what can help break us from that but perhaps prayer and fasting and help us see life from a different perspective. So I close by sharing an experience that uh, Richard Foster mentions that a person had when they went on a two-year fast, where my guess is for a day or two, for two years, they would practice fasting. And so this shares a little bit about their journey. Their first place in the journey was this. I felt it was a great accomplishment to go the whole day without food. I congratulated myself on the fact that I found it so easy. That was his first experience. 
Then the second experience was this. You know what? I began to see that the above was hardly the goal of fasting. I was helped in this by beginning to feel hunger. And then there's third thing a little while later. I began to relate the food fast to other areas of my life where I was more compulsive. I did not have to have the seat on the bus to be contented. I didn't have to be cool in the summer or warm in the winter. Then his fourth reflection. I reflected more on Christ's suffering and the suffering of those who go hungry and have hungry babies. And then five, now six months after beginning the fast discipline, I began to see why a two-year period has been suggested. The experience changes along the way. Hunger on fast days becoming acute and the temptation to eat stronger. For the first time, I was using the day to find God's will for my life. I began to think about what it meant to surrender one's life to God. And then his last thing he mentions is, I now know that prayer and fasting must be intricately bound together. There is no other way, and yet that way is not yet combined in me. So as we go on a journey with this spiritual discipline, we will find ways that God grows us in grace. And our prayer team, which meets on Monday at 11, would love to sort of help us combine that prayer and fasting together, especially if you have a time of crisis where you need your church family to lift up prayers. And I close with this one other thought on fasting. It comes from Isaiah. Isaiah, you know, in Isaiah's day, people would also practice fasting. And one time the whole church, the whole community, the whole nation was trying to fast together. And they just weren't getting anywhere. It's like heaven's doors were still shut. And you know what the Lord said to him? He says, listen, the kind of fast I really like is a fast that makes a difference in how you treat others around you in your community. Treating your workers fairly, uh, helping the hungry, clothing the naked, helping the homeless, helping the least, last, and lost. If you get that right, then your fast will make an impact. And so there's that double component. It's not just doing the fast for fasting's sake, but it's also saying, Lord, how do I need to change how I live to help those who struggle the most among us? And so I want to challenge you. For those that are healthy, would you perhaps... Find a season, not of feasting, but of fasting. Or you might practice in a way. I know I want to practice it more regularly than I have in the past. I think I'm at a place where, where I could use that opportunity to go deeper. I hope you might consider it as well. And let's find the grace of God for our lives to grow in faith with a time of fasting. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, seek you today. Fasting isn't an easy topic. I know it's, it's uh, something that for us as Americans kind of hits us like, why would I want to do that? But you are found in the places where we step out in faith. 
where we try new things, and where most of all, where we seek you wholeheartedly. And so, Lord, help us wrestle with the grace of fasting. Help us look for opportunities where we might be in a place where um, it could be a blessing for us in our lives in the crisis we may be in at the moment. And help us also use it to open our ears and our hearts and lives so that we may have a deeper relationship with you, Lord Jesus. I pray for your grace to guide us in this journey of fasting today and always. In Christ's name, amen. <laughs>